If you're looking for a way to help birds or take your support to the next level, this May, I would love for you to join the Birds Canada Birdathon. It's easy to participate in and helps raise thousands of dollars for bird conservation. Learn more at birdscanada.org slash birdathon. Now let's get to the episode. From Birds Canada, this is The Warblers. This is The Wake Up Call, a special podcast series from The Warblers by Birds Canada. I'm Andrea Gress. Join me as I speak with experts about our most threatened bird species, why these species are at risk, and what conservation actions are being taken. And finally, what we can all do to help. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Warblers. This is our wake-up call series, where we take a deep dive into one of Canada's more threatened species and learn how to help them. So the bird we're featuring today is a charming little guy called the Chimney Swift. We've got three guests from different parts of the country joining us today to help us fully explore these birds. I'll have each of you introduce yourselves, please. Hi, I'm Graham Sorensen. I coordinate the Aerial Insectivore Conservation Program in Atlantic Canada, which includes Jimmy Swift conservation and monitoring work. I'm joining from Sackville, New Brunswick today. I'm really happy to be here. Hi, my name is Veronique Connolly. I'm the Chimney Swift Chimney Restoration Fund Coordinator with Birds Canada, and I'm joining you from Sherbrooke, Quebec. Hi, I'm Natasha Barlow. I'm an Ontario Projects Biologist joining from around Guelph, Ontario. Um, I also coordinate Ontario Swift Watch, and so I'm really excited to kind of chat about these very charismatic birds today. Yeah, and for folks who have been longtime listeners, you might recognize Natasha's voice from an early episode, uh, Anyone Can Garden for Birds. And, you know, with spring approaching, it's a really good time to dive back into that episode if you haven't listened to it already. Uh, So welcome back to the podcast, Natasha, and, and thanks everyone else for joining. Yeah, really excited. And Gardening for Birds is a great segue into helping Chimney Swifts as well, so... Mm. I'm going to promote both of those podcasts. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay. Well, let's let's dive in then. Uh, Natasha, let us know, like, why are chimney swifts so awesome? Chimney swifts are great because I feel like when we try to meet people on their conservation journey, sometimes we're trying to get people to think about a species that maybe they've never experienced before, but chimney swifts live with you. They live in, you know, Eastern Central North America. Um, They're in your urban and your suburban areas. I can almost guarantee that, you know, in spring and summer, if you go outside, if you're in an area where chimney swifts exist, and you just kind of listen for very high-pitched twittering noises, you'll probably find yourself a chimney swift. And I think they're just a fascinating very acrobatic aerial insectivore um, that everyone can really kind of cling to and figure out like, how is it that we can coexist with these species? The first time I saw a group of chimney swifts diving into their roost chimney, I was just in awe of their acrobatic maneuvers. I mean, it's quite impressive to see a large group of birds being able to funnel like that into a relatively small opening. Yeah, when you think about it, you're looking at hundreds, maybe thousands of birds just just dropping into a chimney. 
And so where can they be found? Where might uh, one of our listeners see them? Being migratory, chimney swifts are found in different places at different times of the year. So in springtime, they migrate from South America to Central and Eastern North America, where they come to breed. And then they start migrating south in late summer or fall, depending on where exactly they bred. So in Canada, they can be found in a small part of southern Saskatchewan, in the south of Manitoba, in central and southern parts of Ontario and Quebec, and throughout New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. You can see chimney swifts all summer in the skies above cities and towns, and lakes and rivers can also be good places to see them, where they often forage along with swallows. So Natasha, what do these birds, what do they look like? These birds, if you can imagine a cigar, like a brownish sooty cigar with very rapidly beating wings. And it is such a perfect image for these birds because I swear, when you look up, you're just going to look at these like thick cigars with these like pointed little wings flying around everywhere and these really, 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 really high pitched twittering noises, which I think I mentioned previously. So listen for that. Look for that. I guarantee you'll probably find one. Do you think, would people like mistake them for a bat? Ooh, they could. Um, Yeah, people can mistake them for bats or even like European starlings. Mm -hmm. But swifts, swifts will be the only ones that are diving directly into the chimney. So if you see anything, yeah, for sure. And like that really, really high pitched sound wow, I can't talk, (laughs) that really, really high-pitched sound. So if you look at a chimney and you're seeing birds that are perching around the chimney, those are not swifts. They might be starlings. The ones that are going directly into the chimney, those are your swifts. Mm -hmm. Little cigar guys. Little cigars. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. And they're they're kind of dusty and and bland in color, sooty, you say. So just just like a little little chimney sweep, just... Just what they might look like, eh? Yeah, they're pretty cute. They have a you know, like a little pale throat, but they're mostly kind of like a brownish color. Mm-hmm. And like their tails aren't really um, very distinctive to look at. Like when you say cigar, it is kind of just like, yeah, a little, just, just a weird little cigar shaped bird with wings. Yeah, it's like a torpedo with wings. It's not like a barn swallow with those beautiful forked tails. Um, they're a little bit more compact. I mean, they have to fit and maneuver <laughs> amongst themselves within a chimney, so it kind of makes sense. It's worth looking at their bills, too. I'm looking up some photos. When they're flying around, you're not going to notice their bill. It's tiny, um, part of their cigar shape overall. Um, but when they're catching insects, and there's some photos you can find of this online, they have their bills wide open to be able to grab insects while they're flying around at high speeds. And they can open their bills really far for how small a bird they are. Um, so really worth looking up some photos of that. Mm-hmm. So they're eating like the mosquitoes and stuff like that. Would, is there like a, a bug that like, what's like the biggest bug you've seen a photo of them eating? Ooh. Oh God, I Google this. <laughs> They do eat beetles. I mean, they catch the bigger bigger insects with their bill, but the smaller insects, they just funnel them right into their wide gate. Wow. Huh. That's kind of cool. 
it feels like, you know, those whales that just like open their mouth and then everything mm-hmm. goes in. That's kind of how I'm, I mean, it's not to that extent, but <laughs> kind of how I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing that. This is a very, very small version of a whale. That's yes. what a chimney swift is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And like, what does their nest look like? Like how, how on earth do these birds nest inside a chimney? Yeah. Uh, Chimney Swift's connection to chimneys is really interesting. Um, and as we'll discuss more, part of what makes their conservation such a challenge. Um, so prior to European settlers arriving in North America, Chimney Swifts would have nested in large decaying trees in more mature forest. Um, but as settlers cleared these mature forests and built houses with brick chimneys, Chimney Swifts started using these new artificial structures Um, for both nesting and for roosting, where they congregate in large groups. Um, And then as towns and cities kind of grew across the landscape, the availability of nest sites like this um, increased and may have actually contributed to an initial increase in chimney swift populations um, a few centuries ago. Okay, so, so they would have been nesting in forests, and then we came along and we built these really, really cool structures, and they were like, hey, hey, these chimneys are pretty sweet. We're going to nest in those. And so, so did they build their nest right on the side, the inside wall of the chimney? Yeah, that's right. They're flying a few meters down into the chimney. Um, they're carrying single um, sticks and using their saliva to adhere a bunch of sticks um, onto the wall of the chimney um, and creating a tiny little cup nest against the wall of the chimney um, that a pair of birds will go to and um, lay their eggs and raise their young in. Wild. And would you just have one pair in a chimney? Generally, yeah. So so when they're nesting, um, they have a single pair that goes into this chimney, um, but they also do what we call roosting. So when they come back from migration, often in large groups, um, they'll all go to a communal roost, um, whether this is a large chimney or historically a big um, hollow tree, and they'll roost in hundreds to up to thousands for the night. Um, and then as, as summer moves on, they'll disperse into their um, individual chimneys. They build nests. This is going to be kind of nerdy and maybe a little gross, but they literally fly around and break twigs off of trees. And then they like stick it together with sticky saliva to create their nests. Like they literally have glue saliva that makes them create these tiny little cup nests and then they shove it onto the side of a chimney and then it just stays there. Like It just, just hangs out. It stays there. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. And we also have a video, like a trail cam video on birds, Canada's like YouTube or Facebook page that shows that kind of like in-depth life cycle um, of chimney swifts nesting in a barn where you can like see them bring the twigs in and then, you know, hatching their chicks and stuff. So it's pretty cool. We'll link to that video for sure. Cause that sounds like a great time. And the, the chicks outgrow the nest before they are flying, right? They do. And it's kind of hilarious <laughs> seeing these, I mean, semi helpless birds um, that are like overflowing out of this tiny little stick, half nest, like half cup nest. And then you can see them again in like the trail cam video, you can see them kind of like flittering, like flitting around, um, like strengthening their flight muscles and doing these tiny little flights 
before they actually like grow up and then, you know, fly all the way south to South America when they're less than a year old. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah. And then they're, and they're just like perching on the side wall of a chimney. They're not like a bird that perches on a branch somewhere. Right. That's right. That's, that's probably one of the most fun facts I think about chimney swifts is they're one of the few species that just cannot perch upright on a stick. Like you picture a bird doing, um, they need those vertical surfaces and they, cling their toes onto them and they hang off the surface, but they're not perching upright. Like you picture all other birds doing. And they can swivel their like back toe around for a better grip, which is pretty wild. Like they can swivel, like you have your, I don't know, you think of your house sparrow on your telephone wire. Um, Chimney Swiss won't do that. They just like swivel their back toe around so they can just cling vertically. It's wild. Hmm. I'm just like holding my hand up, trying to swivel my thumb around and picturing how this might work. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a great adaptation for rock climbing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're like, hey, sign me up. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by Birds and Beans. Honestly, this is my go-to coffee every morning. Birds and Beans was founded to help save migratory songbirds by roasting and selling only 100% Smithsonian certified bird-friendly beans. So if you drink coffee and want to help birds, check them out at birdsandbeans.ca. Free shipping in Canada for coffee orders over $45. Birds and Beans will even donate 10% from your coffee purchase if you order from birdsandbeans.ca slash warblers or use the link in the episode description. Birds and Beans, a richer taste, a richer earth. Cool. So these are, these are really neat birds. They're living potentially in your chimney. Um, what, what's some of the biggest threats to their population? Um, so a whole bunch of aerial insectivore species, so species that are eating insects while flying, um, are facing threats because of insect declines and changes in the climate, climate generally. Um, but chimney swifts have this special threat because they're using anthropogenic structures so much. And so, um, brick and mortar chimneys are what they kind of adapted to as an um, artificial structure, but there are less and less brick and mortar chimneys being built. And the ones that were built a half century ago are falling into disrepair. And so this habitat they've grown to rely on quite heavily, we think, is slowly disappearing. And there isn't that old mature forest for them to return back to and find big trees to, to nest or roost in. And so they're kind of losing this habitat that we've created for them, but don't have that natural habitat that they used to rely on to go back to. Mm -hmm. And so this is really problematic. So like chimney swifts and aerial insectivores in general, their populations have been plummeting across North America. So aerial insectivores, we're talking about a 59% decline in their numbers since 1970. Uh, what does it look like for chimney swifts? What's, what's their population doing and, and what's causing the decline? So there's actually a really great paper thinking about getting super nerdy here. Um, it's mm-hmm. called Falling Through the Policy Cracks, Implementing a Roadmap to conserve aerial insectivores in North America. It's from Dr. Silka Noble. She's uh, one of our VPs at First Canada. And her and a bunch of her co-authors kind of got together and summarized, you know, why are aerial insectivores declining and what can we actually do about it? Um, So highly recommend checking that out. And 
For Chimney Swifts specifically in Canada, um, they've declined by about 90% um, since the 1970s based on Mm. breeding bird survey data, which is kind of this, you know, North American standardized, you know, hundreds, thousands of volunteers are going out and doing um, like point counts or bird surveys. So it's a pretty rigorous data set. And so we know that, you know, these birds are not doing as well as we hope that they're doing. And so... Chimney swifts specifically, um, as well as aerial insectivores, it's kind of that, you know, death by a thousand cuts situation, like what Graham was mentioning, where there's a variety, unfortunately, of threats that um, are influencing their population, whether it's, you know, loss of the mature growth forests and now moving to those more artificial structures, um, use of pesticides, um, non-specific pesticides to reduce prey availability, you know, throw on climate change on top of that. Um, and we're met with a very complex and unfortunately unique situation for these birds. And so, you know, chimney swifts are, I think, a, a very charismatic kind of gateway into that world because they are living with us. And they kind of provide this interesting perspective that I've heard from other individuals where, you know, some individuals, um, like people have in their lifetime had, had forced resettlement, whether it's through, you know, natural disasters or, you know, just being forced to move into less ideal situations. And this is something that chimney swifts have also had to adapt through. And so I think, um, bringing in that kind of human, perspective to it of, you know, how would you like it if, you know, we kind of came in, we're like, we're going to bulldoze your house down and good luck finding something else. And so it's kind of this interesting connection with these birds um, that I think is useful when we're talking about, um, you know, what can be done and what has kind of caused this dramatic decline. Mm -hmm. So what, what can be done to help this species? Well, if we want to address the ongoing loss of nesting and roosting sites, it's critically important to conserve the existing structures that are being used by swifts. So if you're the owner of a chimney that shows signs of damage, you should consider repairing it rather than demolishing it. So last year, Birds Canada and partners launched the Chimney Swift Chimney Restoration Fund. This is a major new initiative aimed at providing financial support for the restoration of human-built structures known to be important for Chimney Swifts in Canada. So in 2022, we were able to support six restoration projects, including one in Ontario, four in Quebec, and one in New Brunswick. The the project supported highlight the variety of buildings that can contribute to chimney swift conservation. Uh, The projects involved a farmhouse, a townhouse, an old sanatorium, an old schoolhouse, and two churches. And all of the restored chimneys had been designated as critical habitat by the recovery strategy for the chimney swift that was proposed by the federal government last year. So by helping to maintain important nesting and roosting sites for the chimney swift, the fund helps recovery efforts for this species. It's really cool. So, you know, you get to maintain some of this historical, you know, I love old historical buildings and, and this fund is helping to maintain these chimneys, these features 
as habitat. Uh, so that's that's just really neat. I feel like it benefits people and the birds, right? And you get a cute little sign if you sign up for this about, you know, providing habitat for swifts or swift friendly chimney. Um, and I think they're great signs. So if you have a chimney, if you restore a chimney, you can get a really cute little sign that says you're providing habitat. So highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, the little things are just sometimes the most delightful, delightful things. So Veronique is working quite hard behind the scenes on this fund uh, Natasha and Graham, what what kind of work are you guys doing to help the species? So since I, I'm an Ontario projects biologist, I am working with like a variety of aerial insectivores. And specifically for chimney swifts, I also coordinate our Swift Watch program here in the province. And Swift Watch essentially is a citizen science, like volunteer driven program where individuals across the province, um, you know, hundreds of individuals are going out throughout the the breeding season, as well as when they're migrating. So basically May until September. Um, And we collect all of that like data, um, that occupancy data, you know, there is some sites say in Toronto where you can see thousands of these birds kind of creating a swift NATO um, at dusk as they're diving into the chimney. Um, and Swift so, NATO? Swift like, NATO. I know, right? Is this right? going to be the next B-movie series? <laughs> it's, like, it's like Sharknado, Swift NATO. It'll be a little bit more wholesome, but yeah. I think it's an opportunity. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Um, so there's observers that go out, they're collecting these data. Um, there is national roost monitoring dates um, that are posted um, on, you know, government of Canada website, but also on our Swift watch site on birds, Canada. Um, it gets updated annually for, you know, four days plus one optional day where observers can go out and, um, we try to get as many people through Ontario, you know, Quebec, Graham could talk about it for, for the Maritimes, um, to, collect data on how many birds they're seeing, how many roosts were observed to get sort of that population estimate. And then throughout the rest of the summer, um, helping people and supporting people and doing that more like occupancy and presence absence surveys. So that's how we kind of collect the data here in Ontario. And then um, we try to work with homeowners. We try to work with, um, you know, different organizations and authorities to ensure that the sites are protected um, and that, you know, the proper, you know, permitting and compliance issues are settled because this is critical habitat, as Veronique mentioned. So that's how we're kind of on the ground trying to work with the different organizations, municipalities, and, you know, other uh, individuals to protect the species. Mm -hmm. Cool. Lots of folks involved. And what's going on out in the Atlantic, Graham? Yeah, so we have a lot of similar um, programs and work closely with Natasha, the team of us here in, in the Atlantic that works on chimney swifts. Um, so we're doing swift watch in the Maritimes um, and and helping coordinate volunteers that are interested in monitoring the species. Um, and a lot of the similar kind of outreach work as well. So encouraging landowners, volunteers, and the public to detect nesting and roosting sites, um, to not clean their chimneys in between May and August when chimney swifts might be using them, um, providing stewardship information and signage to people that are kind of taking that extra step to um, help steward chimney swifts. And then uh, Natasha touched on it briefly too, 
a, a piece that we're really trying to do more in the Maritimes right now is working with municipalities um, because they're in touch with the public in their town. Um, and so we can encourage and provide resources to municipalities about Chimney Swift stewardship. And um, municipalities are in a great place to share this information um, with people in their towns um, to help help spread the word further um, and also to have things in place in planning and permitting processes so that these buildings that chimney swifts are relying on don't accidentally get torn down without anyone realizing that chimney swifts would have been using it. Um, so that's been an, an exciting new thing. And a lot of local governments are really excited to work on this species because um, it's not some species that's out in the woods and hard to find. It's right there in their towns and can be a tourism attraction and can be a sign of their interest in biodiversity, even within city limits. Um, so it's been an exciting new direction to kind of take the conservation work. Absolutely. The tourism attraction of going to see that swift NATO plummet into a chimney, like that's, that is, it's a really cool, unique experience. I like that people are tuning into it from like a tourism perspective. I think that's really neat. And, and yeah, like we've featured uh, birds like the Bicknell's thrush with this wake up call series and they're in like the dense forests of the Maritimes where you are going to be lucky if you hear them, let alone see them and hear these chimney swifts are, you know, they're in our backyards, they're in our neighborhoods, they are in our houses. <laughs> Literally very, very cool. in our houses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not in a weird way, just, just in a friendly neighbor, neighbor sort of way. No, they just, they eat the insects, like the biting flies around your house. So honestly, why wouldn't you want them? You know, like, that's they actually don't... a really good point. Right? Yeah. It's like, you mentioned, you know, their, their prey, like they, they're eating the things we hate. Yeah. We, we gotta love these birds, shower them with love. Shower them. It's like so, a free solution to your problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All you got to do is share a little bit of space with them for a few months of the year. Exactly. It's not a big ask. Yeah. So Natasha, what, what would you say the main lessons are that we can learn from this species regarding uh, conservation and how we relate to wildlife? I think one of the main lessons that I've learned as well is small actions make a big difference. And I am also going to talk about gardening for birds as well, because it's, it truly is a matter of, you know, figuring out what you can do um, to just, you know, live with these species, live with the variety of species, um, start small, gradually get bigger. If you want to uncap your chimney, um, go for it. You know, if you're thinking about uh, if you're thinking about lining your chimney and capping it, maybe look into the chimney swift restoration fund. There are a variety of just small things that we can do to really help these species. We can start a tiny little native plant garden. We can increase the like beneficial insects. We can attract these species to our house. We can provide a home for them and they can act as that kind of free pest management tool for us. We can, you know, maybe purchase some bird-friendly coffee so that when they're migrating south, they're able to exist in these, you know, larger forests and they are not forced to move to, you know, other artificial structures that may or may not be there for the rest of, you know, our whole future. And so 
that's the biggest conservation lesson that I've learned through working with a variety of these species like chimney slips as well, is that there are so many little things that you can do and it doesn't have to be this giant doom and gloom. Everything's declining. You know, I know chimney swifts have declined by 90% since the 1970s. However, there is also, you know, some stability with their population and that's something to look forward to. And that's something to build on. So start small, gradually get bigger and really just look at the small things that you can do to really help these species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the real thing we can learn is that it it doesn't have to be a big thing. We can make a difference through small actions just in our day to day. That's such a nice thing. You've listed a lot of ways people can help the species. Graham, would you have any other recommendations for how listeners could get involved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a good first one is this summer, uh, spend some evenings outside um, looking at your house and at your neighbor's houses and see if you might have chimney swifts using um, your property or your neighbor's property. Um, and if you do, congratulations. Like, it's so cool to have them around and be able to see them regularly and providing that insect control that, that Natasha mentioned. Um, so, yeah, check, checking your own chimney and seeing if you might have swifts and letting us know if you do. Um, and we can uh, keep that in our list of records and um, be there to kind of help support any thing that might happen in the future to buildings that are supporting chimney swifts. And give you um, a cute little sign. <laughs> I love the sign. It comes back around to the sign. the signs. <laughs> yeah, and, and beyond your own chimney and your own neighborhood, um, participating in Swift Watch is an awesome way to, to be involved. You can work with other volunteers to watch these amazing roost um, congregations. You can help count data that we use to do population monitoring and understand how we're doing with a species and how uh, they're benefiting from conservation action. Um, and it's it's just a great, great thing to be involved in. Um, so reporting sightings in general to places like eBird um, or on these more specific counts uh, through Birds Canada, uh, reporting them on nature counts, our, our internal database. Um, and I think a really big one is just sharing how cool SWIFTs are. Um, share this podcast with your friends, um, tell people you've seen chimney swifts in your neighborhood and that they should look out in their own chimneys, um, talk to your municipal council or someone in your local government and say, you think chimney swifts are important and they should be considered in planning processes in the town. Um, any, any of that kind of outreach and awareness raising is really important and really easy kind of small step to do. Um, so I think that's really important stuff. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and Veronique, where could people learn more about the Chimney Swift Chimney Restoration Fund and about Swift Watch? Yeah, you can find more information on these two programs on the Birds Canada's website at birdscanada.org. And while you're there, you can explore Birds Canada's numerous citizen science programs that you could take part in to help monitor birds across the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're one of those sad listeners out in Alberta or BC and you're thinking, oh, I don't have any chimney swifts, maybe you're up in the territories and you're sad about your lack of <laughs> chimney swifts, we've got other programs you can get involved. Or maybe maybe you can tap into one of those tourism opportunities that Graham mentioned and head out, out to the Maritimes and watch the chimney swifts there. But yeah, there's all kinds of ways of helping. Other species are the ones that you might have in your backyards and in your 
in your neighborhoods. So that's great. Head to birdscanada.org to learn more information about the Chimney Swift and all of the other good programs. Thank you so much, the three of you, for joining. Like, man, what a cool species. It's a very cool species. We don't do it enough justice, I think. So highly recommend checking it out. Come to one of our Swift Night Outs, you know, visit the website, check the video. I think you'll fall in love. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. The Warblers is a podcast of Birds Canada. Our goal is to bring you the information you need to discover, enjoy, and protect birds. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Birds Canada relies on the support of donors like you. Visit birdscanada.org slash warblerspodcast to make a donation today. The Warblers is produced by Jody Allaire, Kate Dogleash, Chris Koo, and Andrea Gress, with music by Jose Mora and art by Alex Nichol. Until next time, keep birding.